Together is better. This will be a two-part series, more than likely, but um, we'll be talking about the church today, so the church in general. Let's uh, say our, can we say our scripture together? Romans 15, 13 says, now may, we're supposed to say it together. That means you speak up there. Ready? One, two, three. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the Holy Ghost to minister life. Open up our eyes and deposit things into our heart. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with, uh, you know, all that's been going on these last few months, I know social media has gone to a new level. But um, I know that a few years ago I heard this one guy. Actually, I think he did start it, an online church. And we're not just talking about streaming online like we do, but we're talking about a full-fledged online church with no building, you just churches online. And uh, I think he tried it for a year, and it just did not work. And so uh, I know that, um, I'll just be blunt, it will not work. Online church cannot happen. It can, it can present itself and maybe look like that, but... Uh, uh, the thing is about social media is that you don't really actually know where people are coming from. You just get sound bites here and there, and uh, people are, uh, you get miscommunicated or misunderstood. And uh, I, I read this article about communication. I'm not for sure. You have to double check me on this, but it said 96% of all communication is nonverbal. Nonverbal. You don't get any of that in social media. I mean, you just get, and haven't you ever done this? You, you say something in social media, and you were just nonchalant over it, and then the people took it as you were being mean or you, they took it wrong. That's really horrible. And you go, no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. But, uh, or the other way around, you do mean to say something gruff or whatever, and everybody goes, oh, that was so nice. Thank you. <laughs> no. But the reason is, is because there's not that human contact. And so the church, the body of Christ, it's a culture. It's a living community. It's a a culture. You can look it up. It's a group of people with a common set of values and beliefs. The Greek word for church is ecclesia, which means an assembly of called out ones. And, uh, of course, you can share some things in cyberspace of what you believe and encourage people. But at some level, there has to be that relational contact and where you're looking at people's eyeballs. And so I believe that this is what God intended. I believe it with all of my heart. So because church is a family, it really is a family, and it, it gives us the opportunity to demonstrate the kindness and the love of God. To demonstrate the kindness and the love of God. You, you can be kind behind a, a keyboard, but it's just not the same one-on-one. And uh, God wants us 
the Bible says this, that he said, the whole world is going to know you're my disciples for your love for one another. And the good thing, bad thing about coming to a church and starting and getting to know people is, how many know that everybody's personalities are different? People like certain things. People just are just different. And so this gives us many opportunities to show and walk in the love of God. Some of you are getting it. Some of you go, yes, it does. No, no, what I'm talking about is people get underneath your skin, even in church, sometimes especially in church. And so this gives us the opportunity to grow because I truly believe this, that the love of God that has been deposited in all of us, you don't have to ask for it. It's in you. You don't just, I hear people say, Lord, just give us your love. Honey, you're not getting any more love now than when you get to heaven. Newsflash. It's just that you and me, we don't know how much has been deposited in us. But once, this is another reason why we go to church is because we're all on this journey called life, experiencing and getting our eyes open and having revelation of the love of God that's been deposited in all of us. Because I found this out. No matter how I'm being treated out here, I have the power in here to still express love no matter what. Now, I don't do that all the time. I'm married. So I don't do it all the time. But I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm better today than I was. Say amen to this. Than I was five years ago. You know? But this is something that we grow in church. And if you are an isolated person, how many know that... You know, it's easier when you're, you're a monk in a cave to get along with everybody. That was a joke. It's easy to get along with people. You know, I heard this one missionary says, you know, Mike, the, the, I do know one thing. Ministry would be really easy if people were not involved. And I went, yeah, yeah, you're right. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. Ministry involves people. It involves relationships. The good, the bad, the ugly. It it involves people. Life is messy. In Proverbs, it says, where there's no ox in the barn, the stall is clean. All right? But once you put the ox in the barn, what do you have to deal with? Poop. That's, that's about as plain as I can say. You, you have poop to be people. I don't want to deal with that, okay? Then you don't get the, the ability to have the, the strength of the ox working for you. And that's the way it is sometimes with relationships. But there's strength that comes by being connected and having one another. And God realized this. And, but this is why when we have a revelation of the love of God, you can love anybody and everybody no matter how different they are from you. But we all have different gifts. We all have different strengths. We all have different uh, weaknesses. And we would come together. Where I'm weak, you may be strong. And that's where it it comes beneficial. And then that's the way it is with all of us. This is not a spectator sport. Coming to church and just watching the pastor and then saying, Pastor, go out and minister to the world this week as you go. Bless you. 
No, this is where we come and grow, and I feed you, and you get motivated, and then when you go out into the world, you walk even as Jesus walked, and you express the love of God to the world and wherever you go. That's what church is all about. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, it says this, Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Church. That's when it started to grow back then. And it's just people getting together and their hearts being shared to one another. And there, there's a, a facet of church that, that's just unexplainable. And by that, I mean it's mysterious, the body of Christ. Paul's talked about the church being the body of Christ. Jesus was the head, or is the head. But we make up the body, you know, the fingers. And how many know that when, if you've ever jammed a finger or whatever, it's not that big a deal until you have to button your shirt. And then you go, oh, so what happens? You don't use that finger, but all the other fingers jump in and help out. That's the body of Christ. It's a picture of the body of Christ. Listen, you're, you and I, we're going to go through things in life. We're going to come up and hit a brick wall. You know, sometimes people say, you know, sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. You know, it just, you, when you go, get it, the bug hitting the windshield. Sometimes you're the bug, sometimes. Okay, moving right along. But sometimes in life, things like that happen. And so the, po- the point of having a family having one another to pray for you when you're hurting or going through a tough time. But likewise, when you find out somebody is, you get to step up and pray and believe with them. It's called a family. God wants us to be part of the family. And I just know there's some people, and I've heard people say this, well, you know, the the church is not the building. I absolutely 100% agree with. You know, they say, you know, I'm the body of Christ, I'm the temple, and, uh, you know, I don't really need anybody else. Well, no, that, it is true that you are the temple of God. It is true you are the church outside of the church. That is 100% true. But it's not true to say that I don't really need anybody. What you are saying then is then I don't really need to uh, impart anything into other people's lives as well. That's wrong. That's wrong, and I'm just sorry, but I feel like people are deceived when they feel like they don't need to be part of the, the body of Christ. It's the ch- and listen, let's just be honest. There's no perfect church. You know, if people come to this church and say, well, I'm just believing God for a really great, awesome church and everything, and I go, okay. Maybe a little disappointed here. I'm not trying to say that, you know, I mean, we, we have weaknesses. We have faults. We're people. We're people. We're all people. And somebody may say something that, to, to be rude to you sometime right in here, but this is the thing. As we mature and grow, there's things that you have the love of God in you that it's not that you overlook, but you can just say, I'm going to love you no matter what. No matter what. Now, the other side of that, I don't want people to get, you know, I know there's people Staying home and watching now because they're concerned about the COVID and or else they got 10 kids and they don't want them, you know, pinging off the walls while I speak because we're not having children's church. So I understand that 100%. There's no condemnation or guilt, please. 
I understand that. But at the same time, I do know that we need one another. We do need to fellowship with one another. And the body of Christ is where we can grow and where we can learn. And, uh, and let me just say this. I'm not being, I don't want anybody being legalistic on me, you know, to say, oh, I'm going to miss church this Sunday. Well, don't tell pastor. Don't let him know, you know. You know, there's some people, I, I was raised like that. I was raised that when the doors were open, you were in church, and bless God, you did not miss a Sunday. Even if you were going to, on vacation, if you went to the lake or whatever, you, you, did not, you did it after church. You didn't do it during church. That's a sin. And uh, I don't believe that, and I don't believe God believes that. Uh, I know somebody, uh, back east, one of my relatives, you know, somebody gave them tickets to a big, they were big NASCAR fans. And uh, so guess when NASCAR races, though? On Sunday. So they were going to miss church, maybe like first time in their life or something. I don't know. But, I mean, they were going to miss church, and so they went to the NASCAR, and they came home, and then... They fell on the porch or whatever and broke their ankle and ended up having to have surgery. And the words that came out of their mouth were, I knew something like this was happening because I, I went to that race instead of going to church. I went, really? Holy cow. Is this what we've come to? That God is like, if you don't come to my service, I'm going to break your leg. I always thought that was a joke, but there's people who believe that. Are you kidding me? You believe that? I mean, the Godfather, I mean, this is really what, what he's come to. Like, if you don't pay your tithes, I'm going to rough you up. This is funny, but it's not funny. There's people who believe that, that will break. Can you imagine serving a God that, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take you out. So, please don't ever think that that is even remotely what I'm trying to teach here today. Everybody on the same page? So that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that a body of believers come together is very, very beneficial. And we're going to explore some of those things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, you are the body of the anointed one, and each of you is a unique and vital part of it. Did you hear that? You are unique and you're a vital part of it. God has placed in the church the following apostles, prophets, teachers, and those with gifts of miracles, gifts of divine healing, gifts of revelation, knowledge, gifts of leadership, gifts of different kinds of tongues. Not everyone is apostle, prophet, or teacher. Not everyone performs miracles or has gifts of healings or speaks in tongues or interprets tongues. But you should all constantly bull over with passion in seeking the higher gifts. And now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. And so then after that, in 1 Corinthians 13, he starts talking about love. But in Ephesians 4.11, it says basically the same thing in a different way. It says, uh, he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets, some with grace to be evangelists, some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So this is what coming to church is too. 
I'm teaching and feeding you and things are being deposited inside of you so you can take and learn from that and then you go and spread that around to all of the people that you know in your little community. You are a minister. You go and I'm not saying sit down, I'm going to preach to you now. No, that's not. Just the way that you handle life. The way that you handle life. And that when things like, I believe we can, and again, this is no condemnation or guilt, or or, or I don't want that at all. But at the same time, I believe that the church can get to a place where there is no fear of COVID whatsoever in your life, no matter what's going on in your life. If you're working someplace and somebody has the COVID, one of your co-employees, and you go... Jesus, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We just go, oh, no. We just, and then, you know, you just go spastic on us. I believe we can get to the point, and this is part of growing and hearing faith, faith, hearing the word of God, that you can get to the point that when that happens, you go, well, praise God, I'm going to pray for them that they'll have a quick recovery. And you know what? I believe that no plague, no evil shall come nigh to me. It will not harm this body no matter what. And you say it in faith and you believe it. You don't say it. I mean, you can trust me. You're not believing. You're going, oh, God, help us. I just believe it. No, no harm's going to come. No, honey, no, suck it up. You're not there. You're not there. But it's okay. Are you hearing me? It's okay to be there. Just don't stay there. Just don't stay there. Don't live your life of fear. God doesn't want, and part of that is being connected to a community, to a family that believes that it's the will of God for you not to be in fear, to believe God that it's the will of God for you never to be sick. Did you hear that? It's the will of God for you not to be sick. Your father does not want you sick. But this is the thing. You say, well, man, people are still getting sick. I still get sick. Man, I'm just saying we just, but this is the thing. God is so patient and loving toward us, just like your kids. You know, if you've got kids and grandkids, man, you understand this. You know, you teach them to walk. You're constantly teaching. You know, when they're two, you're, you're constantly telling, showing them words and telling them words. And then by age three, you're telling them to shut up. But anyway, you, you, you know, you teach them to walk, and then you make sure sit down and don't move. I mean, you, we're constantly teaching them, are we not? Then, you know, all throughout their toddler life, and then when they start, it's time for them to drive. And you say the prayer, Jesus, help us all, and you put them in the, in, behind the steering wheel. And you start teaching them. I taught all of our kids, Monty, including Monty and Vicky. Every, I taught them all how to drive. And, and I remember the fact that, um, you know, being from Africa, you know, some of the countries, they drive on the opposite side. So I remember this one time I was teaching Vicky. And she was driving. We were in Pueblo West, which is not heavily trafficked like other places. And so when she turned, she just turned and got into the left lane. And I said, no, sweetheart, no, no. We drive on this side of the road. You know, you're just patient and all through life. And then I've got, you know, kids in 20s and 30s now. And you're constantly just saying things to teach and to help out. That's the way our Heavenly Father is. He is so patient with us. And He's constantly teaching things about life as we go. It's not like, oh, you know, I learned about God 20 years ago. 
And now that I know about God 20 years ago, I, I never have to go to church, never have to hear another sermon because, you know, I, I pretty much well have heard it, so I know. That's impossible. It's impossible. You learn about Jesus, but Jesus is eternal. The Word of God is eternal. There's not one scripture you can say. Now, uh, we say this. This is what this scripture means. That's really a, a, a false statement. That's what it means, but that's not the only thing it means. It's eternal. It's eternal. So there's constantly revelation that can come from the same scripture. It's like going up the north side of Pikes Peak. You get a different view. But if you go up the south side, it's a different view. It's the same mountain, but you're seeing things differently. That's the word of God. That's God in general. We're always constantly seeing things differently, but getting a greater revelation of the goodness of our Father. Amen? Where did I stop reading? Where did I stop reading? To Verse 13. She's good. Verse 13. These, or else she fakes it really good. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith. So another part of coming to church is that we're growing in unity. How many know you can't grow in unity if you're isolated? Well, you can. It'd be me, myself, and I. We all three agree. But, I mean, that's not what he's talking about. He said, until we all grow in unity and oneness in the faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Verse 14, and then our immaturity will, will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. So another reason why we come together. Verse 14 says that we're not easily shaken or troubled. I mean, we're living in times where things are being shaken. Christians are being shaken. But he says we come together part of the body of Christ, so we're not easily shaken. We're not easily led astray by false doctrines or deceivings. And so uh, another reason why we come together is to make sure we're not easily deceived. Can pastors be deceived? Yes, I've been deceived. Can churches be deceived? Yeah. But this is a great thing, is that even in that, when we're coming together, we get to talk about things. And when there's something that, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It's good to ask questions. I don't know about what that, you know, not to cause strife or controversy, but at the same time, we don't want false doctrine. We don't want to be deceived. And the problem with self-deception is that when you're deceived, you don't know it. Wouldn't it be great if there's something in the back of your mind that once you accepted a truth, something in your mind goes, nope, you're being deceived. You're being deceived. But this is the great thing. We have the Holy Ghost on the inside of us. We do. And if we will listen to him, he will say, no, 
you look at the word. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Spirit of God is saying. So we do have that. But unfortunately, when we're being overwhelmed by YouTube and being overwhelmed by social media, sometimes we don't hear that still small voice and we believe what everybody else is saying. And I've learned this, that just because it's the majority doesn't mean it's right. Because when the children of Israel sent 12 spies to spy out the promised land, 10 out of 12 said, no, we can't do it. They were wrong. Only two were right out of 12. So you can't just always go with the crowd. You can't. But God wants you and I to, not to be deceived. And the great thing about it is Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So there again, when you come together, there's safety in coming together. There's safety. So we're going to dive more into this next week. But I just want you to know. It is very beneficial to be part of a church family. It's vitally important. And again, I'm not saying that for those people who are staying home and, or whatever, I believe this is temporary. But I will say this. If this goes on for six, nine, 12 months, two year, year after year, I believe, man, you're, we're just going to have to make a stand. Because I don't know about you, but I think if... if I can accept something in a temporary way, but I refuse to bottle myself up so that I won't catch something and I cut the rest of the world off. That's not living. I gave this illustration in the first service, and you know, my dad, when he got up uh, in his late 60s, I believe, when he had that heart condition, is that about what, how old he was? Older in that, 70s? And uh, the doctor told him, he says, you know, it's incurable and there's only a small percentage of your heart's functioning right now. So you could just die walking to the mailbox. So you just need to stay home and take it easy, you know. He just shook his head. He went home. He went fishing in his boat. He got his own boat up, hooked it up, went fishing. He would go hunting in the hills of Tennessee by himself. Oh, I mean, you know. Here he is, he's supposed to, you know, stay home and not even go to the mailbox. And he's hunting and fishing, driving, going everywhere, just living life just like. And somebody said, you know, the doctor told you to stay home. You could die. He said, if I stayed home, I would be dead. And I'm sorry, but that's kind of the mentality that I accept. You know, it's not living. And don't get me wrong, temporary things. I will do that, and our church shut down for seven weeks or so. I'm all for that. I'll do what it takes. But at the same time, I refuse to do that as a lifestyle forever. That's just my opinion. It's my opinion. There's going to be people who stay home. That's fine. If you want to live life that way, that's between you and God, you, yourself, and I, or whatever. But this is what I say. I believe we can grow and our faith rise up with inside of us. To say, I will not let that run my life. I will not. I will not. And that's part of hearing the word and growing. Because I believe every time you hear the word, the Bible says this. The word of God is like medicine into all of your flesh. Every time you hear me preach, you're getting something injected into your body, whether you know it or not. You know, have you ever eaten a meal? Of course you have. 
Some of you, I can tell. But anyway, have you ever eaten a meal? I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. Anyway, if you ever eat a meal, you just know that there's vitamins in that food. There's vitamins in that food. But I never feel like, hmm, the vitamin K is going into my bloodstream now. Whoa. If people said that, I just probably wouldn't eat with them anymore. But anyway, you, you know, there's vitamins and things going into your body that you don't even understand or don't even know about. Am I right? That's the way the Word of God works. I don't know how everything works with the food, but I know when I ingest it, every part of my body, my organs, my immunity system are partaking of it because that's the way my body was built and made by God, created in His image. It's the same way with the Word of God. When you hear preaching and you hear the Word of God, things are happening inside of you to cause your body to partake of healing, of restoration, of strength, spirit, soul, and body. You're being made strong in every facet of your life. I don't understand it all, but I do know one thing. It happens. The Word is medicine to all of your flesh. So even when your body is that, man, I've been having struggles of believing about healing. I believe every time you come, you're getting something. You're getting something. You're getting something. Amen? So believe that. Believe that. Say, oh, don't concentrate on all my faith is so weak. You can come in here and say, today I'm going to get a vaccination. I'm going to get some strength. My body functions right. I'm hearing the word of God. You don't have to even understand it. I don't know about you, but I don't understand how health works as far as partaking of food and it causing my body to be strong, my immunity system. I don't, I, you know, I don't even know if science understands it all, but they do know it happens. Likewise, the Word of God is the same way. I don't have to understand it, but I do believe it. I believe we're all being made strong. I believe we're growing in the love of God. I believe we're growing in things that have been deposited into us. We're on this journey called life together, and it's the journey of the church that what's been deposited on the inside, we're learning and we're hearing how that should be manifested on the outside, that we could be like 1 John 4, that we can walk even as he walked. You can walk just like Jesus walked. How did he walk? He had victory over sin, sickness, everything he had victory over. He was the one in charge. You say, wow, is that possible? Yeah. The Bible says it's possible. Not only possible, but that's his will. That's his will. Let's stand. So there's many benefits. We get discipled. We have relationships. We pray with people. And then the unknown factor, we get things that we don't even know what we need. We get things that we don't even know what we need. I don't know I need so much vitamin K. Don't even know. But evidently, they say every time you eat something green, broccoli, green beans, and all that, you get vitamin K. I go, oh, good. I like all that. But I don't think, okay, I'm going to eat this broccoli, and I just pray that that vitamin K will will work in my body. No, you don't. Who does that? Besides weird people. But, I mean, you, you don't do that. You're just like, man, this broccoli's good. And when I put it in there, vitamin K starts working. I don't even have to believe for it. 
It just happens. Every time you hear me preach, things is happening. Things are happening, and you don't even have to believe for it. It's happening inside you. That's good stuff. I said, that's good. God is so good. We put so much emphasis on us, and God says it's a lot easier than what you make it out to be. Amen? I'm going to pray for you, but if you want to leave an offering, the buckets are back in the back. But let me pray for you before you go. If you want me to pray, Melody and I, to pray for you, we'll be in the parking lot if you have something specific to pray about. That's another good reason to come to church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that our eyes are being opened up. You're causing us to see things. You're causing us to receive things that we don't even know that we need to receive. But, Father, you are such a good and kind Father. You're patient with us. You work with us like we work with our children all the way. The whole life, parents work with their kids patiently, lovingly. How much more do you patiently and lovingly instruct us, help us, teach us? We thank you for doing that for the people of Rocky Mountain Family Church, that you're knitting our hearts together, that the church is growing stronger and stronger day by day, week by week. We thank you for our church, Lord, the family of God, where Jesus is the head and we are his body. Thank you for the offering, every need met for every person here. And we believe that and thank you for the abundance of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.